falls on you now. <laughs> All right. Well, let's go ahead and take your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 7. And it's good to be in church. It's a blessing when you get to sing in those songs and all of a sudden everything outside of these walls here kind of fades away. And uh, it doesn't matter if it's finances, it doesn't matter if it's uh, marital problems, it doesn't matter if it's any, anything going on. When Jesus Christ is edified and glorified and lifted up in this church, everything goes away just for a little while. And, and, but the thing is, is when we walk out of here, it should be the same way. When we walk out of these doors, we should still be striving to serve Jesus Christ with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. But here in Luke chapter 7, we'll go ahead and begin in verse number 36. It says, And one of the Pharisees desired him that he would eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and sat down to meet. And behold, a woman in the city, which was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought up an alabaster box of ointment and stood at his feet behind him weeping and began to wash his feet with tears and did wipe them with the hairs of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with ointment. Now when the Pharisee which had bidden him saw it, he spake within himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this is that toucheth him, for she, she is a sinner. And Jesus answering said unto him, Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee. And he said, Master, say on. There was a certain creditor which had two debtors. The one owed five hundred pence and the other fifty. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him most? Simon answered and said, I suppose that he to whom is forgave most. And he said unto him, Thou hast rightly judged. And he turned to the woman and said unto Simon, Seest thou this woman I entered into thine house? Uh, thou gavest me no water for my feet. But she hath washed my feet with tears and wiped them with the hairs of her head. Thou gavest me no kiss, but this woman, since the time I came in, hath not ceased to kiss my feet. My head, and, head with oil thou didst not anoint, but this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. Wherefore I say unto thee, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she, hath, she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. And he said unto her, Thy sins are forgiven. And they that sat at meat with him began to say within themselves, Who is this that forgiveth sins also? And he said unto the woman, Thy faith hath saved thee. Go in peace. Brother Tom Lynch, will you pray for us tonight? In Jesus' name I pray. You may be seated. So tonight I want to preach a message entitled, How Much Do You Love? It's a simple question, but it really is something that only you would know. We could, we could only see so much on the outward appearance of people, and we could look at someone who's doing right and someone who's in church, and we could, we could assume that they love the Lord, but we need to look within. Amen? We need to look within our own hearts and ask ourselves this question, because it's not, you're not going to have the same amount of love all the time. You're not, because sometimes, um, I don't know, in the uh, 
credit union world, we have, when we sell cars, we have what's called a guaranteed asset protection or gap insurance, right? And um, they get that because they know as soon as they buy a car, um, that thing is going to start depreciating the moment it drives off the lot. And um, so that's why you have gap insurance, because insurance isn't going to cover the whole amount, and gap kicks in and, and covers whatever's left over if, in the event of a total loss. Might I say tonight that sometimes uh, we have a little bit of depreciation for what Jesus Christ did for us. Sometimes we, we get to living our own lives, and, and we may not be living in sin, but we're just doing, doing our own thing. And, and the Bible says in the last days, the love of, of many shall wax cold. And uh, might I say tonight, I've, I've been in this position that we see uh, uh, Simon the Pharisee in is, is where he was, he was uh, noted as forgiving. It says here that there was a certain creditor which had two debtors. And it talks about, the Jesus talks about one owed 500, one owed 50. And it says, and when they had nothing to pay, both needed to be forgiven. It didn't matter if it was 500. It didn't matter if it was 50. The fact of the matter is they both couldn't pay it. And that's exactly how it is with our salvation, is we, we can't pay it. We can't, we, can't, uh, we, we can't do anything with that outside of putting our trust in, in what Jesus Christ has already done. But they had nothing to, for, nothing to pay. He frankly forgave them both. But he asked them the question, which of, which of them will love him most? Who's going to love him more? And he had the right answer. He said, well, the one that was forgiven more, right? And, um, and that's exactly where we see this woman here, is she was forgiven, forgiven of much. And um, before we get into that, I want to just hit a few things um, on forgiveness. And it is good to, to know, if you could say tonight, I, I am forgiven, that's a blessing. If you know that your sins are forgiven, if you know you're washed in the blood of Jesus Christ, that, that should excite you. That should, give you a, that should give you a shout, uh, just, to, just the blessing to know, my, my sins are forgiven. The Bible says that you may know you have eternal life. And uh, there's people that are, that are um, I, I had a, a friend uh, text me or an acquaintance text me, uh, I believe it was around Easter, and um, he, was, he was telling me, hey, you know, and he, he came to this church a little bit. He was, he was never involved or anything like that, but um, he eventually moved, uh, moved to go somewhere with his family at a different church. And um, he texted me and said, hey, um, I, I, gave, I gave a testimony at my church, and I want you to hear it. And um, so he sent me the link, and, you know, I, I, I'm like, all right, I'll take a look at it. And um, he begins to, uh, go to at this, go up in front of this whole church, and spill everything that he's ever done and what he was doing. And um, he, was, he was talking about how, well, you know, I, I, I was afraid of going to hell when I was seven or eight years old. And, um, you know, I got saved. I, I, I was genuine. But you know what? Uh, how, I, didn't, I didn't realize as a young uh, person, you know, the, everything about sin and everything about Jesus Christ and all these th different things. And he begins to go into, you know, basically saying, well, I didn't, I didn't know how to live it. So I must have not gotten saved when I was younger. And um, so he ends up uh, rededicating his life to Christ. And uh, it just something didn't sound right with it. That testimony, it, something didn't, didn't stick. And I looked up their, uh, that, that church's website. And one of the things on their uh, uh, doctrinal um, statement here was perseverance of the saints. And, um, you know, it, 
that it, it's really a detriment to the Christian life when you go, when you're you don't even know if you're saved, and and instead of uh, knowing that your sins are forgiven, knowing that you you can't go to hell, um, that you're washed in the blood of Jesus Christ, um, it, it's it's really sad, honestly, Amen. that you can't know that, that you can't know that you're saved, um, and what churches will do now is they'll, they want to keep people in the church. So they'll say, if you ain't living it, then you ain't saved. And that's a heresy. That's, that's straight from the pit of hell. You know what? Now that they say, if you're not living it, you're not saved, it's going to get them to stay in church and, and work and do whatever the, the pastors want them to do there. Um, just like the, the church uh, that we were at last night, I wouldn't even call it a church, the, the vineyard thing in Cincinnati. Um, Guy comes up there, and Joe told you what he said. You know, we, we love to love here. We love to love. We love to laugh. And I started turning red. <laughs> just, it's like, oh, like, you, you just, this guy comes up there in these skinny jeans, and uh, he's supposed to be a pastor, and you could see a pimple poking out through his jeans. They're so thin. And, uh, and he gets up there and, and says all this garbage. And, you know, it's just like... You know, you think this guy worked at Hobby Lobby with the live, laugh, love things. It's like, I want to get one of those for my house. Just live, laugh, leave. <laughs> um, that's what I want to do with that. But, uh, but no, that, that, those people don't know what love is. They don't know what love is. I'd, I'd question a lot of uh, those people in there, their salvation. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not judging them in a wrong way, but, but you look at it, there was Jesus Christ wasn't mentioned one, one time. From that guy. Not one time. And you're talking about love? And you're not mentioning the, the one who commended his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us? The Bible says Christ died for the ungodly. That, that wasn't mentioned at that church. You know what? It just makes me uh, thankful for this church. It makes me thankful that we, we have a pastor that sticks with the book. A pastor that doesn't, doesn't waver on those things. And, and it's just a blessing that there, there's... You know, there's people in this world that don't, they're, they're saved and they're born again, but they don't know it. And yet we do. That's a blessing. That's a blessing. There's people that don't have the truth that we have, but it doesn't mean that they don't love as much in that case. Sometimes those, kind of pe those people that, that haven't been given that much, uh, they love more than those that know more. And uh, that's, where, that's where you have to, have to examine yourself. Um, but, but it is a blessing to, to be forgiven, especially, uh, it was mentioned this morning, we're, we're in the best time to be alive right now. I'm glad that I wasn't born in the Old Testament. I'm glad that I wasn't born in a time uh, or after, after the New Testament when uh, everything kicks off with the tribulation. I'm glad I, I haven't been born in that time. I'm, I'm glad that we're in the age of grace right now. I'm glad that we're dispensational and we could, we could rightly divide the word of truth. And um, salvation wasn't the same in the Old Testament as it was the New Testament. Uh, Old Testament saints weren't forgiven the same way. And uh, we're just going to look at that for just a minute here. Um, they weren't saved the same way. Look at, go to uh, Psalm 51. They weren't forgiven the same way. But there were some individuals in the Bible and actually many people that God did forgive. But it doesn't mean that they were cleared. It doesn't mean that they were, 
uh, going to go to heaven or anything like that, but uh, God was a forgiving God in the Old Testament, amen? amen. Psalm 51, uh, David's, this is uh, when, when after Nathan the prophet came unto him after he'd gone in with Bathsheba, he committed uh, that sin and, uh, of, of adultery and murder. And he said in verse number one, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according to the multitude of thy tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Verse two, wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. In verse three, for I acknowledge my transgression and my sin is ever before me. In verse number seven, he asked him to purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Uh, verse number nine, hide thy face from my sins and blot out all mine iniquities. You know what? Uh, God did that for him. And God was merciful to David, but it, does, it didn't guarantee that if David uh, decided to walk away from God, that he would go, uh, well, in this sense, it would be to Abraham's bosom. Um, David still had the opportunity to go to hell if he chose not to follow after God. And uh, it, I, I wouldn't want to live in that time. Uh, that would be a very, very fearful time. And especially after Leviticus number 20 and, and Numbers 35, um, those two sins that David committed were worthy of death. And God forgave him for it. And God didn't kill him for it. He still suffered the consequences. Um, and the Lord, he'll forgive uh, many people in the Old Testament, but there's one thing um, that it didn't include. And go to Numbers chapter 14. Because there's people out there that will, that will tell you that men in the Old Testament were saved the same way in the New Testament. And they, try to take, they, and they try to just blend everything together. It's because they don't know how to rightly divide the Bible. Right. Um, but here in Numbers chapter 14, look at verse number 18. And th these, are, these, are, these verses are a blessing. The Lord is long-suffering, amen, and of gr great mercy, forgiving iniquity and transgressions. But it says here, and by no means, clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation. You know what the NIV does? It takes, takes that away there. Uh, by no means clearing the guilty. And that's where you get into heresy. Because they weren't cleared the same way that we are. Um, go, to, go over to Exodus 34. Exodus chapter 34 and verse number 7. It says, Keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, and that will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the Father. So he, he, he says the same thing there. And uh, that's exactly the reason why they went into Abraham's bosom, is because they weren't cleared. When we're forgiven, we're cleared. Amen? We're forgiven. It's... it's, it's in the past, it's under the blood. There's nothing that you, you have to do to worry about that. And you know what happens is um, there's preachers out there that will try to get you to, uh, um, you know, retread your salvation. And uh, you get to thinking, well, maybe I'm not saved or maybe the sin of guilt is just on you all the time. Things that you did in the past that you have no control over now. And you've been forgiven. But the devil's going to try to come in there and tell you that, you know what, well, if you were really saved... Maybe you wouldn't have done that. Or maybe, uh, you know, just try to get... Because if you're always mully-grubbing over your, your past sins or the, your condition of your flesh, you're, you're not going to be of any value to Jesus Christ. You'll be of no value to Him. 
But that's why they went to Abraham's bosom prior to Christ's death. And uh, they rested there until Christ shed his blood, uh, descended into the lower parts of the, the earth, rose again. And then he led the saints to heaven there. Um, go, over to, uh, go over to Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9, their sins in the Old Testament were not cleared. They were not cleared. You know what this is? It's called rightly dividing. Rightly dividing the word of truth. And it's, it's a blessing to have these truths in the word of God. Amen? Hebrews chapter 9, <clears throat> in verse number 22, it says, um, Almost, and almost all things are the law uh, by the law purged with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. And um, that word, that word remission, that's not that's not uh, completely forgiven. That's not cleared. You know, is people. Anyone know anyone with cancer that was in remission that got it back, right? And it came back. And that's exactly what remission is here, and that should, clear, that should clear some things up. Acts 2, uh, I believe 2.38, where it says, uh, believe and be baptized for the remission of sin. That's how you know uh, the Pentecostals right there. There's something, there's something wrong with that because no remission of sin. Well, remission isn't a total clearing of sin, so that can apply to us. Um, but though forgiven, their sins were not cleared, paid in full, or redeemed. It's kind of like, um, kind of like credit. You know, if you go to the store and you, uh, you buy some groceries or you buy something there, you could, you could take that, you could uh, put it on a credit card and you could come home and uh, you could enjoy the benefits of that. But those things are not purchased until you pay the credit card bill. Those are just put, it's, that's why they call it putting, on, putting it on credit. Um, but without the shedding of blood, and that's how they did it in the Old Testament. Um, they, they had, there had to be a sacrifice. There had to be bloodshed. And... Um, so they weren't, they weren't looking forward to the cross. They weren't looking forward to, they didn't know, they didn't know anything that was going to happen. Now that's why Jesus had to, had to come down there and, and explain everything to them. It says he preached to those that were in prison. It says, Hebrews, uh, go to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews 10. And uh, verse number 4, For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sins. It couldn't take away the sin. It could remit the sin. It could forgive the sin for a little while, but they had to continually go back and, and sacrifice and work uh, for their salvation and, and do exactly what, whatever covenant they were under um, during that time. Um, but they could be taken away, um, cleared and fully paid for once Jesus Christ shed his blood, died, was buried, rose again the third day. Now, on the other side of it, we could get in um, free and clear, our sins are completely forgiven. We don't have to worry about it anymore. Um, and then uh, there's a necessity of Christ dying um, to clear and redeem the sins of the Old Testament saints here in Romans chapter 3. Go there real quick, and then we'll go right back and, and finish up the message. But I, I thought this was really important because it's, you know, there's been a lot of, a lot of people that are, that are saying that different things about salvation, different things that, um, that aren't biblical. And uh, it's good to, good to know if, if you ever come across people that are talking about this, you could take them to here and say, this is, this is why we didn't get saved the same way in, in the Old Testament and the New Testament.
Um, Romans chapter 3, it says, uh, go ahead and look at verse 24. Being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation through the faith in His blood to declare His righteousness for the remission of sins, note this, that are past, through the forbearance of God. Um, and, and then uh, Hebrews um, 9 and verse number 15. It says, And for this cause he is the mediator of the New Testament, that by means of death, for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the First Testament, they which are called might receive the, the promise of eternal life. I'll go ahead and go back to uh, Luke chapter 7. Back to Luke chapter 7. And uh, there's something here when he says that there's, there's uh, you know, the, the Pharisee that was forgiven little. And then there was the woman that came in there that, that, that she, was, she was a sinner. And um, it says that she was forgiven much. And um, you, you kind of could apply that to... Um, Christians that were born in church, that were raised in church, that uh, you could look at and say, well, they, they might have been forgiven little, or someone that, and then someone that was out in the world, someone that was out in sin, lived a, a life of wickedness for a little while, and then got saved. You could say that they were forgiven of much. But when, the, when, you, when it boils down to it, um, no matter uh, what condition you were born in, no matter what situation you were in, um, you've been forgiven much. Amen? Amen? It doesn't matter if you, you grew up in church and, and, and you don't have these sins. And maybe this is the case of the Pharisee here. I, I, I'm not exactly sure, but um, it says here, you know, that he, he doesn't do anything wrong necessarily when he, he's inviting Jesus Christ to his house. That's a, that's a blessing. He invited him to dinner. He invited him out, to, you know, and, and people are there and he, he, wants him to, he wants Jesus to be there. That's a good thing. Um, my dad did a, 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 a um, oh, Man, my mind's drawing a blank. Uh, one of those uh, men's breakfast, the, the studies, and uh, yesterday, and he was talking about First uh, Corinthians six nineteen. What know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God's, and ye are not your own, for ye are bought with a price. And uh, when you get saved, the Holy Spirit dwells inside of you. Amen. When you get saved, He forgives you, He, he seals you, but He's living inside of you. And, and, and you know, it, it's a good thing that Jesus Christ is there, um, but it doesn't mean that you love Him much just because He's living inside of you, just because He's, he's there. Um, but it says that He went into the Pharisee's house in verse number 36 and sat down to meet, and uh, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, and it says, And behold, a woman uh, in the city which was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at meat, and the Pharisee's house brought an alabaster box of ointment. You know what people knew about this woman was that she firstly sinned much. She sinned much. Um, she was known for what she did. Um, it, wasn't just, uh, it wasn't just accusations. It wasn't just um, people accusing her of things. This was common knowledge that this, there was something bad about this woman that was coming in to see Jesus. But the good thing is, is that when she heard that Jesus was there, she didn't get invited. I don't believe she got invited to this event. 
I don't think the Pharisee wanted her to come, but instead of, instead of saying, you know what, people are going to laugh at me, people are going to criticize me, people are going to judge me for what I've done, I'm still going to go because I know Jesus is going to be there. I, I know that he's going to be present there and I could get something from him. If I could just get to him and worship, just like the, the woman with the issue of blood, she said, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, I would be made whole. And um, that, that's exactly <clears throat> excuse me, the uh, case of this woman here. And she wanted to see Jesus. But, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, could someone get water for me? I'm sorry. But uh, <clears throat> she was a sinner. And um, it says here that uh, she sorrowed much as well. Verse number 38. I appreciate that, brother. Verse number 38. It says, And stood at his feet behind him weeping, and began to wash his feet with tears, and did wipe them with the, with the hairs of her head, and kissed his feet, and anointed them with ointment. You know what? She sorrowed much. Not because of exactly, because it doesn't say that she was sorrowful over one sin or two sins or anything like that. It was over who she was as a person. She knew that she was a sinner. And, and sometimes uh, we get to be like Simon the Pharisee here because in verse number 39, it, when, when he saw it, um, which had bidden him saw it, he spake within himself saying, this man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this is that toucheth him. <clears throat> For she is a sinner. And, um, man, I don't know what's going on with my voice, but just uh, we'll bear through it. Amen. <laughs> but um, he starts to judge her, and sometimes that's what we do as Christians. Amen. We see people that might, might have uh, lived a life of sin, might have uh, done things that we've never done, especially ones who've been forgiven little. Uh, because we don't, we, we don't realize, because if, if we're not in the Word of God, and if we don't know exactly what it is that Christ did for us, no matter what we've done in the past, um, you know, if you knew exactly what Jesus did for you in His Word, then, then it doesn't matter what you did. It doesn't matter if it's a small sin. It doesn't matter if it's a large sin. Uh, it, it doesn't matter how long you've done it, how, how short of a time you've sinned or been alive. If you understand what Jesus Christ did for you, you'll have a great appreciation and a great love for what God did for you at Calvary. But here, <clears throat> Simon the Pharisee saw that and, and he begins to judge the woman. So instead of when Jesus was at his house, his personal house, Right, And he's eating uh, the food that he prepared for him. And, and he's got this big banquet set out. And, and he's serving Jesus. And, but instead of looking at Jesus, instead of looking at um, <clears throat> listening to what Jesus had to say, he was looking at the woman. Amen? He was looking at the woman instead. Instead of looking at Jesus Christ, there, there in his house. <clears throat> she sorrowed much. She sacrificed much. <clears throat> she began to cry, weeping, and began to wipe the wipe his feet with her tears, or wipe, yeah, wipe his feet with her tears and with the hairs of her head, kissed his feet, anointed them with ointment. She begins to sacrifice much. When's the last time that you were sorrowful over your sin? When's the last time that you, you looked at yourself? And, you know, and, and we, 
as a, as a human being, we, we want to be lifted up. We want our flesh to be edified and glorified as sinful creatures. But that's not, that's not you know, sitting under that's not going to help you. That kind of preaching is not going to help you. If it's always lifting up your flesh and telling you, oh, you're, you're a good person and you don't have to worry about it. No, we serve a holy God, amen? amen. And uh, he hates sin. And we're supposed to abhor that which is evil, cleave to that which is good. And, um, you know, and, and what better place to learn the things of God and learn what God's done for us at church and learn who we are as well. We're sinful. And, uh, you know, it doesn't mean that you've got to kick yourself all the time. And, you know, there's those people, uh, people in the Philippines that they'll literally crucify themselves and hang themselves on a cross for a little bit of time because they're trying to, they're, they're trying to get some kind of clearance of their sin. They're trying to get some kind of forgiveness or some kind of sense of I'm forgiven, but that's not it. And they're never going to find it. But you, you also have to have a realization or awareness that, hey, I'm, I'm a sinner. It doesn't matter what I've done. Just, just the very thought that I was born into sin. And God is holy, and he doesn't, he doesn't allow that. He, do, he doesn't love, he, he, he can't allow those things into heaven. You know what, that's why he sent Jesus Christ, to be the propitiation, to be the sacrifice for our sins. And it says, which are many here. But she was very sorrowful, and she began to sacrifice something that was precious to her. And I believe that sometimes, as Christians, we almost get to that point, and then something happens in life, and we, we completely forget what God has done for us and what God's doing for us. And sometimes I believe that what we do with our alabaster box is we come to the altar, and, uh, and we, we pour out a little bit, on Jesus' feet, and, and, and we, we worship Him for a little while, but we've never really broken it at His feet. And I see myself more in Simon than I see myself in this woman here, I, I, I hate to say, many times. But you know what? It says she sacrificed much. She was forgiven much. And then it says that she loved much. She loved much. Why? Because she, instead of uh, that depreciation we talked about with, with vehicles, you know, right after you drive off the lot, it starts to go down in value. Exactly how it is with our Christian life sometimes. The farther we get away from our salvation and when we got saved and when Jesus was working in our lives, sometimes it starts to depreciate. And it's not... And it's not Jesus' sacrifice that depreciates. His blood's always going to be the same. It's always going to cover sins, no matter what, the vilest of sinners. But the problem is, is we, we forget about that. Amen. We forget about that. In the book of Ephesians, or uh, Revelation, the, um, the Lord's talking to the church of Ephesus. And he tells them that thou hast labored and not fainted. And I've always, that always caught my attention when he said that. That was labored and not fainted. He, he, he gave them a, a commendation. He gave them, um, you know, he, he didn't really have anything wrong to say about the church of Ephesus. Everything they were doing was to a T. Everything they were doing was right in God's eyes. But he said, there's, there's one thing that I have against you, just one, and it's that you left your first love. And you know what he tells him to do? He says, return, do the first works, repent, 
Why? Because they, they, they got to know exactly what it was, the mechanics of everything, and while everything they were doing was, was spot on and right, they weren't doing it out of that love anymore. Now they were doing it out of routine and doing it out of just the necessity for it to be done. And uh, that's the condition that we could find ourselves in as Christians. And it says here, he spake within himself. In verse number 39. This man, if he were a prophet, would have known what manner of woman this is that touches him. And Jesus answering. You, you get that right there, what the word of God does? It says that he spake within himself. He wasn't saying this out loud. He wasn't saying this. Uh, he wasn't gossiping to anyone. And Jesus just happened to overhear him, telling him about, well, if Jesus knew who this was that was touching him, he wouldn't even allow her near him. No, he said it in his heart. And you know what Jesus did? He answered him. Because Jesus discerned that heart. And you know what the Word of God does? In, in, in the book of Hebrews, it says the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of both soul and spirit, joint and marrow. And it says and it is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. You know what? When you have a love problem, when you're when you're doing something, when you have an attitude about yourself that that isn't godly at all, uh, you know what happens when you get into the Word of God? It'll it'll reveal that truth to you. Jesus answered him. You know what? Jesus had mercy on the Pharisee as well. Amen. Amen? I don't think I, I think Jesus loved the Pharisee just as much as he loved the woman that was worshiping him. And he was trying to reveal something to him. He was trying to reveal here that it didn't matter what the, what the debt was, that he still needed to be forgiven. But the thing is, is he would, have, he would have loved much if he would have known what Jesus really did and who Jesus really was. And um, here it says... Uh, Verse number 48, and he said unto her, thy sins are forgiven. You know what we can do? We could put ourselves right into this story. You know what? You know, she, it says she loved much. And uh, I'm thankful for what God's done for me. Amen? And if you look into your life and, and just think of all the times that God's brought you through trials... And think of all the times that God has brought you through the, the different, different things that are going on in your life. And on top of that, he saved us. And one day we get to go meet him. And one day we get to see him face to face. And one day we will hear them say, you know, we will see every knee, knee bow and tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. But tonight I'm just asking a very simple question. How much do you love? How much do you love? And like I said before, he, he was forgiven. They, they both uh, needed the debt to be forgiven. And um, she loved more because she was forgiven more. And you know what? Maybe for those of you who've been saved for a long time in church, he's, um, might, he, he might not have forgiven you for um, going out and drinking, going out and doing drugs. But you know what he's done? He's saved you from doing that stuff. Right. Yeah. Amen. Amen. He's prevented you from doing those things. You ask anyone in here that used to be an alcoholic or used to be in, get into drugs or, or any of those things, they tell you right now, stay away from it. 
they tell you right now, don't, don't even do it. We don't, you don't have to go out and live in sin to experience forgiveness. You know what? Jesus Christ kept me from a lot of those things. Amen? If you've been raised in church and you, you've tried to live right, and Jesus Christ has, has saved you from those things, from experiencing the hardship and, and the sin. And, and I'm, not, I'm not negating anyone that's gotten saved later on in life. That's a blessing. But it, it almost seems that the, the more um, people have lived in sin and the longer they've lived without Jesus Christ, after they get saved, they have a deeper appreciation for it because they've been forgiven of much. But you could, you could have that same attitude of this woman here if you just realize what Jesus has uh, let you escape and what Jesus has saved you from, that life of sin. <clears throat> and then here he said, um, verse number 49, and they, sa- they sat at meat with him and began to say to themselves, Who is this that forgiveth sins also? And he said to the woman, Thy faith hath saved thee. Go in peace. You know what? It, it wasn't the, the fact that she came to the house and had tears, and it wasn't the fact that she had the courage to go to Jesus, and it wasn't, wasn't the fact that she had the alabaster, even the fact that she had the alabaster box. It, the, what saved this woman was the faith that she put in Jesus Christ. And uh, might I say tonight, if you're not saved in a crowd this size, there might be someone that's not saved. But if you're not saved, you could put your faith in that finished work of Jesus Christ. But you never want to forget what He did for you, why He saved you, what He saved you from. You know what? He didn't have to do it. Amen? He didn't have to save us. You know what? He, he could have said after Adam and Eve, you know what? I'm going to wipe everything out. I'm going to restart. Everything's going to be perfect. But you know what? He had a plan uh, from the foundation of the world that He was going to go to Calvary. And now we get in on that. Amen? It's a blessing. And um, <clears throat> there's one more thing I wanted to mention. And um, me, I, I think it was a couple years ago, we decided, you know, me and, me and Jesse were coming up on six years of marriage. And um, we sat down and we were watching um, our wedding video with friends. I always put it off because I didn't want to see myself. And it was the most awkward thing because... Uh, when you get two homeschoolers that kiss for the first time, it's, uh, it's a little embarrassing. <laughs> but, um, but no, we, you know, we, were, we were watching that, and you know what? I started to get this, this feeling inside, just the, the same feeling that when, I fir- when we first got married, when I saw her walking down that aisle. You know, just watching that whole thing just rekindled that, that initial feeling, that initial love. Uh, and, and experience of, of getting married. And you know what? Sometimes you need to look at Jesus Christ crucified. You need to look and, and see what he did for you. You need to read about it in his word, what, what Jesus Christ has done. And I'm, I'm telling you what, you, it'll, it'll overwhelm you. It's overwhelming. You know what? We, we serve a good God. Just the fact, and I've said it earlier, that we're in this church right now. Where, you know, I could have been born some foreign third world country. You know, but instead, God placed me here in Ohio, and, and we're here today. Amen. And uh, it's by the grace of God. It's nothing that I've done. It's nothing that you've done. You can't, you, the Bible says to put no confidence in the flesh. Yeah. Put no confidence in the flesh. But you realize what he did for you, and you start to get that 
rekindle that love and start to, you know, just look at exactly what it was that happened at Calvary. What, what, what he did, the suffering that he went through. And, and, that, and that's the problem is, yeah, we, we've heard it so many times. It's just, yep, Jesus Christ died for the sins of the world. No, he, he died for you. And he died for me. He, it was personal. And, um, and that's all I have tonight is just to think about those things that, you know, we could, we could be in the place that Simon the Pharisee was in where we're looking down at everyone else and, you know, we're not really thankful for what we have. Tonight, I'm telling you, you ought to, if you're not, you know, if there's something wrong with your relationship with Jesus Christ, you need to get that thing right. Amen. Amen. You need to rekindle that love. You need to go back and, and, and replay some of the, what happened when you got saved. Remember how much you loved him. Remember how much you, you just had that desire to serve him and do something for him, not because you felt pressure from the church, not because you felt pressure from a pastor, or you felt pressure from from your friends or anything like that, but just because, hey, he's done so much for me that I'm going to do this for him. I I love him. And uh, you just need to get back, do the first works tonight. Amen.